Ontario vaccines rollout was sloppy and uncoordinated. While I have a great deal of respect for the Auditor General on this, I cannot agree with her. On the defensive and slammed over claims of disorganization during the heights of the pandemic. What the Ford government is saying tonight about allegations of waste that may have cost taxpayers millions. Good evening. For much of his time as premier, Doug Ford has promised to find efficiencies and ways to cut costs. According to the province's auditor general, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout wasn't one of them. A new report from the fiscal chief is criticizing the PCs over that and a number of other topics tonight. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with the highlights. Siobhan. One of the Auditor General's jobs is to look at whether Ontarians are getting good value for their money. When it comes to the vaccine rollout, Bonnie Lissick said... We didn't, but the government is defending that, saying some of the details are important here. The Auditor General says poor planning, communication and reporting lines have meant millions of doses of COVID-19 vaccines have wound up in the trash. Since the start of the campaign, 9% in all were wasted, about 3.4 million, a number the Auditor says could have been cut in half with better forecasting. Four private companies wasted about a quarter of what they were tasked with administering. I'm very grateful to everyone at Toronto Zoo and for FH Health working together. A clinic at the zoo and nine others operated by FH Health threw out 20% of their doses. Another company, Switch Health, wasted 57% of their shots. From an audit perspective, we would say there isn't value for money because, you know, money was paid for services that were delivered. Switch and FH Health were paid a combined $18 million. Oh, it absolutely wasn't a waste of money because those particular clinics were for uh, focused individual uh, sectors. In Switch's case, agricultural workers as they arrived at Pearson Airport. The health minister explains they'd often show up in smaller groups. In some cases, that meant that you were opening up an additional vial that wasn't going to be used right away. However, it meant that they were protected when they went into their communities and, and began that important work. Lissick says a decentralized booking system let Ontarians shop around for vaccines. It meant 227,000 no-shows and wasted medicine. The Auditor General also says the government could be doing more on a number of environmental files, preventing urban flooding, protecting the Niagara Escarpment, and fighting invasive species. Everyone would assume everything's moving along, and then we look at it and we go, well, they can't be achieving any of this because the funding is not there. Not a surprise to the opposition. It's not a priority as part of the whole spectrum of this government not being interested in the environment. For them, real estate development, developer interests, that's the priority. The government defends its environmental record, pointing to deals to manufacture clean steel and electric car batteries. Still on the environment, the NDP has asked the auditor to look into the possibility of developers being tipped off about the government plans to open up the Greenbelt. Bonnie Lissick says she hasn't had a chance to look at that request yet. She's been busy preparing this annual report. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. The Auditor General also found drivers in Ontario are paying the highest insurance premiums in Canada. Later tonight, we take a closer look at why the exact same person driving the same car will pay a different price based on which city they live in. The AG report is comprehensive, and so is our online coverage of what's in it. For those details and more, you can head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. 
Also tonight, a troubling sign highlighting the importance of protecting our province's children. Police say they have just ended a month-long investigation into child exploitation, and the results are staggering. TTV's Austin Delaney joins us live tonight with those details. Austin. Well, it was a one-month provincial blitz. 27 different police departments in this, and the number of charges, the number of arrests is shocking. A number of those right here in Toronto. Project Maverick drew some 27 police forces together from across the province for a one-month blitz into online child exploitation. Online sexual offenses don't have any borders and go well beyond our jurisdiction. The internet and rapid growth of technology have given predators the opportunity to exploit children anywhere in the world. And unfortunately, the numbers continue to grow. And across Ontario, in just the month of October, the numbers are staggering. 428 criminal charges, 1,032 electronic devices seized containing the most horrific images imaginable, 107 arrests, 61 victims identified. This is a snapshot of one month out of the year to show that everyone has a role to play when it comes to protecting our children. In Toronto alone, there were 23 arrests, 96 charges, 22 victims. These offences include the possession, accessing, importing, distribution and the making of child pornography, luring a person under 16, invitation to sexual touching, sexual assault, sexual interference and failing to comply with court order meaning some are repeat offenders. Investigators scour the web looking for offenders, sometimes posing as young children. In one instance, members of the Toronto Police Service, with the assistance of our international partners, identified a person of interest on the dark web who was planning on kidnapping and abusing young children. The person arrested in a remote northern Ontario town. And detectives are concerned about the rise in sextortion. That's when people online convince others on social media to send them sexual images, then extort them for more or for money. Reporting live at police headquarters, I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. Police tonight are trying to figure out who stole a Toronto Humane Society van and why. The vehicle is critical to the work of the animal shelter. And as our Janice Golding explains, replacing it is now a top priority. They came to us last week via our transport van. Division manager Larissa Nagelberg shows us around one of the cat rooms at the Toronto Humane Society. Over the last week or so, we've been getting them ready for adoption. You can actually see this one down here needed his eye removed. 35 cats transported to the Humane Society's headquarters on River Street last week with this van, stolen just after 11 p.m. Monday. Heartbroken. We want to be able to continue these efforts. We didn't want to halt operations. In addition to mass transports, the van is used every day to bring animals to and from specialist clinics. In fact, the Humane Society says its rescue transport program helps with fully half of the charity's annual admissions. In fact, when need arises and capacity allows, the transport van will travel as far afield as northern Ontario and the United States. The markings you can see here, uh, they used force to enter. As Hannah Satropa explains, the thieves broke in via the garage, surveillance video capturing two people stealing industrial equipment alongside the van. The grand total for those items that were stolen, we estimate, is roughly around 10000 and then fifty to 60000 for the actual cost of the van. While it's grateful no staff or animals were injured, the society says it's still a big blow. 
Well, it hurts anyone absolutely with any kind of theft of this size or nature, but especially a nonprofit organization that relies on the generosity of its people and community to to run and save the amount of animals that we do every year. Yes, this is Nolan. So hopefully he'll be clear for adoption soon, if not already. The Humane Society says in order to keep helping animals like Nolan, it's counting on the community's generosity, asking for donations on its website in the hopes of raising eighty to $100,000 to replace everything that went missing stored here um, and then the drivers right behind us right here uh, drove out. And to improve security at its building so a theft like this doesn't happen again. Janice Golding, CTV News. Well, the winds are still whipping and it is getting a lot colder. This Here's a live look at the city right now. The conditions not stopping a few brave souls from enjoying an evening at Nathan Phillips. And let's bring in CTV's Lindsay Morrison here with a look at the current conditions and also our latest efforts at building a toy mountain, Lindsay. Yes, Raheem, we are here live at the Salvation Army in North York. It is a beautiful location. We have some inspiring stories to share with you this hour, but we also have to talk about the weather because it was an end of November. To remember, we had all that rain, we had those wicked winds, and now some areas are getting snow. Let's take a look at the current satellite and radar. This will show you the activity that's happening. Look at the lake effect snow coming off of Lake Huron and Georgian Bay. There are watches and warnings in effect, including a snow squall warning a snow squall watch, winter weather travel advisory, blowing snow advisory, and we're still talking about all the windy weather too. Current wind gusts are around 54 kilometers per hour here in the city of Toronto, and our temperature is falling. It's going to be a chilly night tonight, but we have warm hearts here inside the Salvation Army. Stay with us. A full look at your weather forecast, and of course, as we build a toy mountain, we'll bring you all kinds of excitement this hour. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Look forward to it. Thank you, Lindsay. And coming up, remembering a music icon, legendary Fleetwood Mac singer-songwriter Christine McVie has passed away. We'll have more on her life and legacy. But first to a CTV News investigation and a follow to a report we first brought you last night. Trash dumped in Toronto streets is on the rise, while enforcement is not. As CTV's John Woodward reports, the problem may come down to dollars and cents. There's one word trash hauler Big Ben Bergeron uses when describing the trash business these days. More and more all the time. More trash left lying around he's called to pick up in his bin. People leave garbage in the park, leave garbage everywhere. City statistics back him up. 311 complaints of trash on public roadways rising from about 300 in 2018 to more than 750 this year. At the same time, those illegal dumpers are getting punished less. Charges have dropped from 22 a year to one. That's because officials were retasked to other jobs during the pandemic. Bergeron says he thinks something else is going on too. Diesel price hikes made it around 30% more expensive to haul bins like his. It's going to fuel the economy, you know, the recession and now everything goes up and then... People, you don't want to pay to get rid of the garbage, and then you leave it in the street. Dumping is free for the dumper, but it costs taxpayer money to investigate, something that's in short supply in Toronto, with the city facing a pandemic-related budget shortfall of more than $800 million. Something officials fear will get worse with the passing of Bill 23 that removes many development charges in order to encourage construction. We're still looking at the impacts of Bill 23 and what it might mean for our city infrastructure. 
I think we're all very, very worried about that. Uh, Councillor Jennifer McKelvey wants staff to investigate solutions. Milton Councillor Colin Best says he wants to see the region adopt a system for trash like with cans and bottles, where manufacturers provide a financial incentive to return it. Didn't your parents ever teach you to clean up after yourself? I mean, it's the height of irresponsibility to do this. That approach might save city funds in the long run, but he says it takes money to implement now. And without changes, Bergeron thinks there will just be more bins for him to pick up. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Mayor John Tory is declaring a partial victory in his efforts to make up a budget shortfall at the city of Toronto. The city says its 2022 budget is underfunded by more than $700 million thanks to the ongoing impact of COVID-19. Mayor Tory has called on Queen's Park and Ottawa to help make up the difference. Today, he announced the province agreed to provide more cash. The mayor says his focus will now be convincing Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland to do the same and support Toronto's pandemic recovery. Toronto's first shelter dedicated to 2S LGBTQ plus adults is set to open in the city's West End. It will provide beds for up to 20 people. The shelter is funded by the city and supported by the 519 organization. According to Toronto's most recent street needs assessment, an estimated 12% of the city's homeless population identify as 2S LGBTQ plus. Well, just as your loved ones are waiting for their next train, streetcar, or at a traffic light, some new information tonight about commuting in this country. Data from Statistics Canada showing just how much COVID-19 has affected getting to and from work. Last year, there were 2.8 million fewer people commuting to work than there were in 2016. Employment numbers were still below pre-pandemic levels at that point. But census data also shows nearly a quarter of Canadian workers were working from home at that time. By May of 2022, the number of people driving to the workplace was back at 2016 levels. You'd think that return to normal would affect our travel times, but our Mike Walker has some info that would suggest otherwise. Mike. Yeah, and it's actually affecting transit with many people still having the option to work remotely, especially those who would typically commute to the core. Transit ridership levels have yet to rebound. A quick pit stop before heading home tonight, but it's a commute Kristen Olson doesn't regularly make. I'm at home two days a week, in the office three days a week. New census data from Statistics Canada highlights how the pandemic and working from home have changed commuter habits. Last year, nearly 3 million fewer Canadians commuted to work compared to 2016. As of this past May, the number of car commuters has exceeded 2016 levels, but travel times are still faster. It's the same as it used to be before. Or maybe better. Marie Claire is among the 4.2 million Canadians who worked from home last year. But after recently returning to the office part-time, Claire has ditched public transit and now drives from Markham twice a week. Takes me two hours. I'm always late. Whenever I'm using transit, I'm always late. In fact, census data shows public transit ridership is yet to recover after plunging to historic ridership lows during the first wave. The TTC averaged 1.7 million rides per day pre-pandemic. Ridership is currently 
68% pre-COVID levels. Part of the challenge, of course, is that uh, not all businesses and not all offices are back to full capacity. They're offering remote work for you know a few days a week, particularly downtown office uh, towers have uh, made with their employees. Employees like Kathy, who is only commuting to the office once a week. It's the rules of the, uh, the company. It's a hybrid. The TTC says service is almost back to pre-pandemic levels, but the current ridership is below what it had projected. By the end of this year, we might see around 75% of pre-pandemic ridership back, um, and, and we're clearly not going to hit that point. The real point for us here is that there's plenty of room on public transit for people uh, to come back. According to Metrolink's Go Transit's ridership is about 60% pre-pandemic levels, while the Union Pearson Express is at nearly 65%. But with many employers still offering hybrid options, some commuters don't plan on going back to their old ways of travel, at least not in the immediate future. Now, both the TTC and Metrolinks are working on campaigns encouraging people to take transit. Officials expect ridership to increase going into the new year, but of course that is contingent on people returning to the office. Reporting live on Mike Walker, Michelle, back to you. Fleetwood Mac fans are cranking up the volume tonight in honor of Christine McVie, the band sharing news of her death today at age 79. The singer and songwriter was an icon of the music world. A member of one of the planet's best-known rock bands in the 70s and 80s, she was known to have a gift for delivering timeless hits. And our Zoraida Allman joins us now with a look of her life. Raheem and Michelle, think of some Fleetwood Mac's biggest songs, and more likely than not, Christine McVie wrote or co-wrote it. Rolling Stone magazine called her the beating heart of Fleetwood Mac. Today, the band tells fans in a statement there are no words to describe the sadness they are feeling about her death. She wrote and performed some of Rock's biggest hits as a member of one of Rock's most prolific bands. And they talk about, you know, the all-time great rock and roll bands, and Fleetwood Mac absolutely has to be up there. They're really talking about Christine McVie's songs. In a statement, Christine McVie's family says she died peacefully this morning in the company of family in hospital following a short illness. Her loved ones asking fans to remember the life of an incredible human being and revered musician who was loved universally. McVie joined Fleetwood Mac in 1970 and was a steady presence as the band saw huge success through the 70s and 80s. McVie, who at the time was married to bassist John McVie, left the band in the late 90s but returned in 2014. Fleetwood Mac was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. This is a band that has been around um, really strongly for the last 45, 50 years, and Christine McVie absolutely was a giant part of that. In a statement posted on social media, Fleetwood Mac describes McVie as one of a kind, special, and talented beyond measure. She was the best musician anyone could have had in their band and the best friend anyone could have in their life. Christine McVie was 79. And fellow bandmate Stevie Nicks penned a letter to McVie, whom she calls her best friend, posted on social media. At the end, she writes, see you on the other side, my love. Don't forget me, always, Stevie. I'm Zoraida Allman. Michelle, back to you.
Thank you, Zoraida. Conditions are improving this evening in parts of B.C. after a snowstorm closed schools, canceled flights, and wreaked havoc on the highways. It was not good last night. It's not what I expected, definitely. I was just coming back from school, and I was stuck on that road for about 11 hours. Just one of several stories out of the Lower Mainland where infrastructure wasn't able to keep up with the snowfall and the freezing temperatures. Tens of thousands of customers also lost power. The U.S. president is urging Congress to act quickly to prevent a shutdown of America's rail system. Lawmakers today passed legislation imposing a new contract on rail workers who could go on strike next month. The process now goes to the Senate. Officials warned critical materials like chemicals for drinking water could stop moving as early as this weekend if a strike isn't prevented. An employee at Ukraine's embassy in Spain was injured in an explosion today. Police in Madrid say the staff member was hurt when he opened a letter bomb addressed to the ambassador. In the wake of the incident, Ukraine ordered stepped-up security at all of its embassies around the globe. The prime minister says Canada stands with protesters in China taking part in demonstrations against the government and strict COVID-19 rules. We know how important it is for people to express themselves, for journalists to be able to do their jobs. And we're going to continue to consistently stand up for human rights. Last night, people in Guangzhou threw objects at law enforcement dressed in hazmat suits. Police were later seen escorting away a row of people in handcuffs. Local officials announced today they were lifting lockdowns, but they made no mention of the protests. The Prime Minister of New Zealand called out a reporter today after he asked her why she was hosting the visiting Prime Minister of Finland. Yeah, a lot of people will be wondering, are you two meeting just because, you know, you're similar in age and, you know, got a lot of, you know, common stuff there. My first question is, I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they were of similar age. Uh, we, of course, uh, have... Uh, a higher proportion of men in politics. It, it's reality because two women meet. It's not simply because of the agenda. Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin said she met with Jacinda Ardern because they're prime ministers. A healthy Toronto Raptor team is on the road tonight, getting set for a big night in the Big Easy. Does it go? Oh, look what we have here. A defensive rebound running the break. Spicy spins. Oh! We've missed you all. Buoyed by the return of Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, the squad is coming off a key win against Cleveland and carrying a two-game streak into New Orleans. The Pelicans, though, have won three of their last four and sit third in the West. Tip-off is at eight. The Leafs, meantime, also back in action, streaking into town, which is one regulation time loss in 15 games. While fans will be excited to see their squad return after a road swing, Tonight will also be filled with emotion and tributes for one of the game's all-time greats. CTV Sean Lethong joins us from Scotiabank Arena with the details. Sean. Well, Raheem and Michelle, when the Leafs host the Sharks tonight, it'll be the first time since Borja Salming died that the Leafs have played a home game. And now the team is stepping up to support research for the disease that took him. Borja Salming! His last wave to Leaf fans just over two weeks ago, like the familiar pose enshrined in Legends Row, a week after Bory Salming's death, the Leafs are donating money from jersey sales to ALS research. It's a horrible illness. 
is. It really is. Uh, so, you know, any um, input that the, the Leafs are giving is just fantastic because it's, it's money well spent. I think it shows that they really have heart to the team and are willing to not just say that they care, but show that they care. Tonight, Leafs retro reverse jerseys will have the patch worn by players since Salming's death. Beyond the jersey sales, the team's auctioning off the actual game-worn jerseys from the players and donating that money to ALS Action Canada. I really feel this time that with King passing, it could be a turning point. Mark Kirkton is a former teammate of Salming's and is himself battling ALS. He says the ALS community is thrilled by the fundraising support. And hoping that somebody has a 10-point night so those sweaters auction high. The only player ever to score 10 points in a game, Daryl Sittler, is the same person who helped lift Salming's arm two weeks ago. Inside Real Sports Apparel, fans shopping say that moment hit home. It was upsetting. He was a great hockey player. And like I say, one of my childhood heroes. So it affected me. And for some, it was that moment. The last time fans saw Borea Salming inside Scotiabank Arena with heartbreak, with tears in his eyes, that became the inspiration for them to give back. These shirts, available at Flowbuds Design on Instagram, were inspired by Salming's last visit to Toronto. I think people seeing how ALS kind of affected him um, really made it hit home more and, and more emotional. The moment so powerful, it started a discussion on Twitter leading to the design. Someone on Twitter suggested, I can't take all the credit, the one who suggested that I make something and donate the profits to ALS. So far, they've raised $3,000, something that will continue in the name of the man they called the king. So for anybody who wants to go online for the auction of the player-worn jerseys from tonight, it actually has already started and will keep going on the Real Sports website until Saturday at 8 o'clock. Reporting live, I'm Sean Ethan. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Sean. Coming up, an experimental Alzheimer's drug touted as a breakthrough. What researchers are saying about its ability to slow the disease and the side effects. Tonight, Pat Florin coming up on Consumer Alert. The Auditor General believes Ontario's auto insurance system is unfair and discriminates against people based on where they live. The Premier has vowed he plans to change the system. So far, nothing has been done. Why not? I'll have my report. That's just ahead. We are building a toy here at the Salvation Army in North York. We have Liz Colley here. It's been a tough couple of years for families. Tell me what it has been like for the Salvation Army to help so many people. Well, it's gotten very busy. You know, prior to COVID in 2019, we were, well, since COVID actually, we're up about 45% in our toy registrations this year. At our food bank, we're actually up 150%. Wow. So those are great numbers to have to uh, find toys for and food. And, uh, you know, we're just so thankful for the community donations and the community help that we get. Well, thank you, Liz. We're thankful for you. And if you want to help out, there are ways you can do that. Head to toymountain.ca, click on Toronto, and you can help out just like all of these kids are doing right now. Hold up your toys, everyone. This looks absolutely amazing. We have a full look at your weather forecast coming up. And stay with us. We have another night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Auto insurance rates in Ontario jumped by 14% over the past five years and are now the highest in the country, according to the Auditor General's report. You could also be paying up to three times more for car insurance, 
even if you have no accidents or tickets, depending on where you live. CTV's Pat Foran joins us with that story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Raheem and Michelle. There have been many complaints over the years about postal code discrimination, and many drivers are upset they could be paying more depending on their address. The auditor's report found the province could also be doing more to make car insurance more fair. CTV News has done many stories with drivers who are upset they have to pay more based on their postal code, especially those who live in Brampton. I don't like the idea of being punished because of where you live. The Auditor General's report found the same driver with the same driving history and the same vehicle would pay $1,200 a year for auto insurance in London, Ontario, but $3,350 in Brampton. And despite having fewer auto injuries, Ontario drivers pay more in premiums. Ontarians have one of the lowest rates of automobile injuries among Canadian provinces. Despite that, Ontario's average private passenger automobile insurance premium is the highest in the country. Companies are making tons of money. After Premier Doug Ford was elected in June, he vowed to end postal code discrimination. As far as I'm concerned, it's totally unfair to the people of Brampton or Scarborough that they're going after these people based on their postal code. That's going to come to an end real, real quickly. They have to treat people fairly. Ontario's NDP has tried repeatedly to pass legislation to end the practice. Setting those auto insurance rates by postal code is discriminatory. That if the government were willing to act and deal with the profit margins from the insurance companies, you actually could have a much fairer system and far more affordable. No one wants to see a, a, a safe driver being charged more just for where they live. Unfortunately, there's no great alternative systems right now. Some in the insurance industry say if the current approach is scrapped, many drivers could see their rates go up. Those increased claims in certain neighborhoods aren't going to go away. And it's very likely that insurance might go down for some people, but it'll go up for others if that system's replaced. And fraud continues to be a major problem when it comes to insurance costs. The report said Ontario should do what is happening in B.C. and Saskatchewan and certify auto shops to try and prevent fraud and poor quality repairs. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Can you believe it? It's already the very last day of November. Tomorrow we welcome a new month, and it is primetime Toy Mountain Town. And, and what a way to end the month of November. So many elements throughout the day, Lindsay. Oh, yes. We had all kinds of weather conditions today, Raheem and Michelle. But it really is a nice way to end the month of November. Fresh on the heels of Giving Tuesday, we are building a mountain of toys here at the Salvation Army. And we have a couple of very wonderful families that I want to introduce you to. Karen, tell me a little bit about your story and uh, your connection here to the Salvation Army in North York. Sure. Um, I, uh, my daughter died uh, seven years ago. She had breast cancer. She was 32. She had five kids. They live with me, and things are just uh, hard, <laughs> uh, especially since COVID, extremely. I'm on disability, uh, very tight. I get less than really rent is without the Salvation Army help. I don't even know how we would manage month to month, much less Christmas and holidays. So it means the world. Well, and I'm sure it means the world to the Salvation Army to, to have people like you come through their doors. Well, thank you. And since coming through, we're being involved in choir and they're, you know, getting what they need. So, yeah, 
That's so wonderful. So wonderful, Karen. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for being here tonight. I also want to introduce you to Fazl because you, too, have benefited from the Salvation Army. Tell me what this place means to you. Definitely. They've been helpful not just uh, this time of the year but throughout the year. And we're, we're really grateful to have Salvation Army and uh, someone like Liz to help us, not just this time of the year in the holidays, but throughout the year. So we're really grateful for that. Thank well, you so much. Thank you for that. And it, it makes a good point. You know, we're talking about the holiday season right now, but there are all kinds of things that happen throughout the year to help families here in the GTA. More on Toy Mountain in just a moment, but let's get to your weather forecast. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. A very active weather day today. We are saying goodbye to the low pressure system that brought us all that rain, but we've got lake effect snow across southern Ontario. Here's a look at the snow squall watches and mornings that are in effect. There's also a blowing snow advisory and a winter weather travel advisory. So lots going on here tonight. It's been windy. We remain under a special weather statement here in the city of Toronto. Gusts around 90 kilometers per hour, still possible in Niagara. Here's a look at the forecast radar. Ongoing lake effect uh, flurries expected through the night tonight and maybe into tomorrow morning as well. A few flurries could reach us here in the city of Toronto too. And then things are going to be calmer for your Thursday afternoon and for your Friday. I'm mostly cloudy day at that point. Overnight tonight, we drop to a low of minus two. It's going to feel warmer than that once you factor in the wind chill. And then tomorrow, daytime high around three degrees. So not bad for this time of year. Seven day forecast looks like this. We have a pretty quiet uh, short range forecast. Then we have more showers over the weekend. Windy again on Saturday. Nice amount of sunshine into the day on Sunday. Well, we are here live at the Salvation Army building a mountain of toys. We want to thank everybody who's been contributing to the campaign so far. A couple of photos to share with you from our viewers. And again, we thank you for being a part of this. Uh, we have some wonderful dogs here. Elsie and Sophie from the Rosewood Pet Resort and a fantastic haul of toys here from Darn Pest Control. Great work, everyone. You can email us your photo at toy.mountain at bellmedia.com. We would love to show them right here on the newscast. Again, we're live here at the Salvation Army in North York. It is a wonderful night to our families. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Michelle and Raheem, I'm going to send it back inside to you. Thank you to everyone for all that generosity. Appreciate it. Also tonight, a research breakthrough in the fight against Alzheimer's. Why an experimental drug is showing promise in efforts to slow cognitive decline. Some promising news surrounding the fight against Alzheimer's. Researchers in the UK are touting the effect of an experimental drug that is having on the disease. Our health reporter Pauline Chan explains. The drug being tested is called lecanemab, and one UK researcher says the results are a big deal because we've had a 100% failure rate for a long time. What they found was that those who received lecanemab had about 27% less cognitive decline than those who received placebo. The study looked at 1,800 volunteers over 18 months. Lecanemab is an antibody which targets the beta amyloid proteins which take up space between the brain's neurons. It builds up in the brain and is believed to cause dementia and Alzheimer's. It is able to target this protein and bind to it, which allows then it for it to get to release. And it has a specific target uh, compared to other previous drugs that weren't as successful. Lecanemab is only helpful for those in early stages of dementia, and there may be worrisome side effects. So things like uh, brain swelling, brain bleeds, 
Um, so, so at a fairly high rate, not crazy and relative to placebo, they also experience some of these conditions too. So we don't know if it's the drug or just the fact that they're older adults. Joshua Armstrong says there are currently some 600,000 Canadians living with dementia, including Alzheimer's, the most common form. Um, we're expecting that number to drastically increase in the next three decades uh, due to the aging of the population and the baby boomer cohort. And any drug that promises even a few more months of high-quality life would be a great help to patients and their families. Pauline Chan, CTV News. A plan to cut the fees doctors can bill OHIP for virtual visits takes effect tomorrow. The province says the policy will help build patient-doctor relationships. But as CTV's Beth McDonnell explains, some physicians say it will only add to our already swelling ERs. Throughout the pandemic, doctors have been meeting with patients virtually. The $80 fee covered by OHIP. But starting tomorrow, the province will only pay $20 to those physicians for appointments. It's a move shutting down some online primary and urgent care provided by companies like Toronto-based Rocket Doctor. Almost 50,000 people currently are using um, physicians on Rocket Doctor as their family doctor entirely virtually um, because they just can't see a physician otherwise. Dr. William Cherniak is so concerned about the change, he started a petition. Instead of taking away options, sending patients to already crowded emergency rooms, it calls for technology to be embraced so all Ontarians have access to affordable quality care. So far, it has more than 10,000 signatures. Concussion, symptoms, skin infections, fungal infections, ear, ear infections for my son. Eli Cassis doesn't have a family doctor in Ottawa and has used the service several times. We do have a family doctor for my son, but sometimes as a new parent, you just want answers like right away. And should I go to Chio? Sometimes you can get Rocket Doctor the same day. The change to virtual care fees comes as a result of a deal with the government and the Ontario Medical Association. It allows doctors to collect the full $80 fee if they have an ongoing relationship with the patient. It's then the OMA said in a statement, the physician is familiar with the patient's history and has their medical records. This continuity of care leads to better outcomes and a better patient experience. A spokesperson for the province's health minister telling CTV News, all medically necessary virtual care services, including initial patient visits by telephone, will continue to be insured under OHIP. Dr. Cherniak says he started Rocket Doctor to provide care outside the walls of a hospital. He says his virtual ER in Midland, Ontario, which triages patients, has been a success. We know from surveying patients that about 94% of folks that were seen through the program did not need an in-person visit after. The OMA says more than 1 million Ontarians do not have a family doctor. To address the shortage, it wants more internationally educated physicians licensed quickly. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. Toronto's health officials are warning the current surge in flu infections could peak around the December holidays. Positivity rates in the city are sitting at above 10 percent. Trends suggest the spread usually peaks within five weeks when infection levels are that high. Megan the Stallion is celebrating a new achievement. She's the first black woman on the cover of Forbes magazine's 30 Under 30 edition. I'm her, 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 her. The singer says she's excited to be making history with the cover. The magazine celebrates the 27-year-old rapper's journey from doing $500 gigs in her hometown of Houston to becoming one of the biggest names in music. 
Spotify is out with its yearly data, highlighting the music that gets the most streams in Canada and around the world. Can you do something for me? In this country, Toronto's very own Drake was the most streamed artist. He claimed number three globally. Now Taylor Swift is second, The Weeknd is third. Outside Canada, the most streamed artist on Spotify is Bad Bunny. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, gearing up for tomorrow's game against Morocco. Canada's men's soccer team looks to make a lasting impression on the world stage. Well, bundle up if you are headed out tonight. There is certainly a wind chill factor with those winds whipping across southern Ontario. Here are tonight's lows. Temperature just below freezing in many areas, but feeling into the minus double digits. Your forecast recap is coming up. Vaccine distribution was not always equitable. Vaccinators were compensated differently and the vaccination appointment booking systems were decentralized. Updating our top stories, Ontario's Auditor General says the province wasted millions of COVID-19 vaccine doses due to overestimating demand for booster shots. Not only did it move animals, but it moved material back and forth. We were able to actually donate hundreds and hundreds of pounds of pet food over to community organizations as well. The Toronto Humane Society and police are searching for a van stolen earlier this week. The vehicle was used to deliver pet food, attend events, and transport sick animals. The Humane Society says two people broke into a parking garage on Monday night and drove away with the van. With the passing of the king, um, the ALS community is being vaulted to another level. A week after the death of Hall of Famer Boria Selming as a result of ALS, the Maple Leafs are donating money from jersey sales towards research to find a cure for the disease. The team will also be auctioning off game-worn jerseys to raise money for ALS Action Canada. On the markets, the loonie was up almost three-quarters of a cent to 74.35 U.S. Oil closed at 80.55 U.S. dollars a barrel. And the TSX ends the day at 20,453. The Jays have made an addition to their management. Don Mattingly will now be the club's bench coach under manager John Schneider. The former New York Yankee slugger and six-time All-Star joins the Blue Jays after seven seasons with the Marlins. In Qatar, Canada is gearing up for its final match at the FIFA World Cup. Tomorrow's game with Morocco is a final chance to chalk up a win at the squad's first appearance at the tournament in nearly 40 years. Coach John Herdman says he's proud of their performance. I think we showed up on the front foot and that'll be our approach again. We'll, we'll stay committed to our identity and we'll go into this match with an opportunity to make some more history. Herdman also says the team has set an example for young Canadian soccer players. CTV and TSN are the official broadcasters of the FIFA World Cup. Tomorrow's Team Canada coverage starts at 9 a.m. And just ahead, tis the season to get together, but is the holiday party finally making a comeback? The business of celebrations this year.
Yorkdale is helping pets get their mugs into the holiday family photo. The mall's pet photo studio has everything to make animals feel comfortable as they pose for pictures with Santa. I don't know that any other shopping center is doing a dedicated space just for pets, so we thought this was quite important. I think uh, in a lot of cases, uh, pet are, are pets for some owners are, are just important as their kids, and, and uh, why shouldn't they be? So this is a space that we feel is going to be very happy for their pets to come in and just have a good time. The studio will run from tomorrow until the 24th. Appointments can be booked on Yorkdale's website. Well, for the first time in years, holiday parties, they're back on calendars with many people ready to celebrate the season. But as Scott Lightfoot reports, the businesses say all is not as it once was as challenges throw a wrench in post-COVID party plans. At Paint Cabin on Girard Street, they're preparing for another corporate event. We've been seeing um, people book mid-September or even just interest in asking. The Christmas party season is underway, but post-pandemic, many businesses are saying... It's not back to business as usual. Do I find it harder this year? Yes. Do I find it less? A little bit more than usual just because people don't really know whether they want to come in studio or stay virtual for their teams. We've definitely found there's a bit of a decline. I think that people were really ramped up in the summer and whatnot, but I think with the cost of food right now, it is so crazy. After a difficult few years, Scarborough's Twist Catering is just one of the businesses hoping the holidays will give them something to celebrate. This time of year is our like bread and butter, you know what I mean? This is where like a lot of us, because everybody knows that in January and February, the decline happens because everybody's on diets, everybody's broke, they're from Christmas, they spent all their money. So really December, we really like to shoot up to kind of float us. We're, we're treading water, but we've never gotten above it, if that makes sense. At the Ajax Convention Center, like many businesses, staffing has been a challenge. It has been one of the biggest hurdles that we've come across. I've never seen anything like it in this industry. Um, it, as well, is starting to turn. It's starting to, to come back to normal. We're, we're having people that are here and want to stay, which is great. But yeah, it has definitely been one of the biggest hurdles. Staff now preparing for parties as people get ready for the holidays. So a lot of the corporate corporation uh, parties are coming back for Christmas. A lot of family parties are coming back. Um, just people are just happy to get out there again, and I think they're happy to be here, and, and we're so happy to be hosting them. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. And there's some festive flurries in the mix, depending on where you are. Let's check in on the crowd at the Salvation Army. Lindsay. Well, Michelle and Raheem, it has been a really beautiful night here at the Salvation Army in North York. Uh, Glenn Van Gulick, I think tonight is proof that this campaign is about more than a toy. It is so much more than a toy. It's about people. It's about relationships, supporting each other, neighbors helping neighbors. And we've seen that tonight. Some, some beautiful stories, but great work being done by our front line. And we can't do it without you participating in that story. It's so wonderful. Speaking of you at home, we do want to mention where we're going to be on Friday night. Right in Markham. We're up in Markham at the uh, Pride, of Pride of Markham Carousel Mall. So join us up there. Bring a new unwrapped toy and be a part of everything. Uh, we're looking for toys for 10 to 13-year-olds and newborns. So bring a toy. Be a part of all the fun. Great reminder. I do want to mention the weather one more time because, yes, we do have flurries out there. One more look at the seven-day forecast. Once we get past tonight and tomorrow morning, it's looking a little bit calmer by the time we reach the weekend. We are building a toy mountain. And we have a little bit of a treat here for you. Take it away, the Salvation Army Band. <laughs> you in the news.
newscast. Just beautiful. Thanks to everybody who came out, especially those kids. And be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zarada Alman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.